0: Welcome everyone to the gaming couch, be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch, this is your host, Smart Boy. Hello everyone, it's officially summer, I am sweating, it's warm out, and I seriously think I need to buy like an ottoman or something, cushiony to put on my computer desk, because I need to put my legs on something. I don't want to put them on my speakers or whatever, that's hard and plasticky. So, yeah, that's my life in a nutshell right now. But yeah, hope you're all are doing well. I would say at this time, I seriously think we're in, or at least fast approaching, some sort of golden age of gaming. All right, I'm being honest, being honest here. I was thinking about it the other day. I forget sometimes how long it's been since we've had an actual, like, New console, okay? And here's what I mean. We got the, the three big players, the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and the Nintendo Switch, okay? PS4, I forgot, was released back in 2013. Xbox One, back in 2013. And both of those got a got uh, a revamp, like a rework. I know the Xbox One S came out around, like, 2016, 2017, and I know the PS4 Slim came out in 2016, Hell, even looking at Nintendo, the Wii U came out in 2020. All right, around the same time the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 came out. But everyone knows the Wii U was just kind of... Bleh. So five years later, we got the Nintendo Switch around the same time the Reskin Xbox One and the Reskin PS4 came out. And you could argue that the Switch is a neater, cleaned-up version of the Nintendo Wii U combined with the DS. Regardless, though, they all came out Within the same year, and the spread between like the reworked version and the original version, like I said, the Xbox One compared to the Xbox One S was about four years, three to four years, and we've yet to see a new console since then. Now, I know they weren't chugging consoles out in the past, but it's just sometimes I forget that. Yeah, it's been a while. Like it's, it's been it's been some serious time since. We've had a big console come out. And I think a part of that is just how the market's going with games. And at this point, we've reached a pinnacle of hardware where games, you have, you know, Far Cry 5 is an amazing looking game. You have Titanfall with so much going on the screen. It's an amazing looking game. We've hit a point where we can develop Games that require a lot of power, a lot of RAM, a lot of memory to function to their fullest capability, and we're doing that. And not only that, a lot of games are starting to explore cross-platform with the personal computer catching up. Like, personal computers of the past weren't that good with games. They were kind of slow, they they were lagging behind a little bit. However, recently they've caught up, and they've surpassed at times, they've surpassed what the home console is capable of because they can be improved and chugged out faster than a console. So with this cross-platform going on, we're not looking so much at what does the platform personally give us. Like, if you wanted Mario, you always you need to buy a Nintendo. And if you wanted Metal Gear Solid, you need to buy a PlayStation. But beyond that now, like, you know, Bayonetta used to only be Nintendo, but now they're starting to put it onto Steam. We're seeing a lot of indie games come out that are going on every platform. Spyro Reignited Trilogy was on two different platforms. The Insane Trilogy was on multiple platforms, and then got released on the uh, PC. And now we got Nitro Fuel come out, CTR Nitro Fuel, which is coming out and is going on all main home consoles: Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox. And I hope my fingers are crossed within a year, as they did with the Insane Trilogy. It comes out on PC, and I hope they do something with the same with Ignite Trilogy. Anyway all that in mind, there's – I swear there's less of a push for the next big console and more for just integrating the tech. So when they did – when they re-released the Xbox One as the Xbox One S and they redid did the PlayStation 4 as the PlayStation 4 Slim, all it was was just slight improvements. At this point, you're buying a console more for what the console itself offers than for the games because there's mm. – Compared to the past, there's fewer, like, individual IPs that are home to just specific consoles. If you're not interested in those, you have plenty of options now with cross-platform and PC and Steam and indie developers. So we're having that. So the market is being more expanded, I guess I'll use that word. It's being expanded. It's being saturated in a good way with plenty of options and whether you're on a home console or on PC, you have plenty of games to choose from. And not only that, you know, I mentioned before Crash Bandicoot, I mentioned before Spyro the Dragon. Hell, if you want to throw Bubsy into this, as just because we all know how that was, there's a lot of games that are now making a comeback after 20 years through being remastered and remade. And yeah, as much as Bubsy was supposed to be a joke, the fact that it was able to be done, the fact that people were funding it and bought it, shows that whether it's for the joke or not, there is genuine interest of kind of this old-school version that's being made by indie developers. And we're seeing that like Shovel Knight, Ukulele, heck, even Crypt of the Necrodancer gives you that old-school feel of a game, but with newer ideas. And because of that, it's it's a great time to be alive. Look, I might not be a huge fan of, like, Fortnite and those arena battlers, but the fact that they exist and are very, like, profitable shows that there's something there within that market. You, when you look back to Spider-Dragon, Crash Bandicoot, Mario, hell, even Sonic, with all those various platforms going on, Everyone wanted to be platform games. Everyone was interested in being a platformer and trying their damnedest to make it work. And nowadays, we have a lot of more... not fully arena battler, but I think the new age is that competitive market. Again, I already put my two cents on esports and what I think of them, but there is something there. Like I said, Fortnite and then Apex, as much as I came and died real quick, Apex was a thing. Heck... Mario in Rabbit's Battle Kingdom. Like, that's... It may not be multiplayer, but that's a battler. There's some competition there. The new Smash Bros. Revamping how everything works online. So it's actually, like, feasible. Awesome. More, was it Mordhu Morheim? It's this new, like, 32-player medieval battler-style game. Came out recently. You see what I'm getting at? This... These big battlers is the new platformer and because of that we're hitting on this new this new golden age we're starting to get away from video games are bad mentality like we went through that for a while when developers started to explore what they could do with games and we got things like manhunt things like mortal Kombat, those very violent and gruesome games were the spotlight for the longest time and whether that was good or bad for the gaming industry I'll leave up to you, the debate at home. But still, there was something there, and it got some attention, and people were interested in those games for various reasons. I mean, nowadays, we had Mortal Kombat 11 come out, but it didn't come out like this big, massive, big thing. It was like, okay, yeah, it's the next Mortal Kombat game. Those who were fans obviously bought into it and were interested. Those of you who weren't, they moved on like me. I noticed it on the Steam homepage for a few days, and that was that. It's not a bad game. It's It has the people that want to play it, It has its demographic, and it just kind of, like, keeps going on. It doesn't need to be the next big thing. It's leaving that up to things like Rocket League, when Rocket League came out and eSports is coming really big with it. It's leaving it to games like Fortnite. I keep going back to Fortnite because that's part of the discussion. I know it's not as popular as it used to be, but it's still there. Like, there's still something with it. And now with Smash Bros. Ultimate coming out, that's... The, like I said, that's kind of like the next big thing with the fact that you can do a lot of people on one map. You can do this online multiplayer with people all around the world. That's what people are looking into. And people are also looking into VR. What can VR do? I know Nintendo Switch probably isn't that interested in it right now because it's not really the console built for it. But I know Xbox and PlayStation are looking at it. Hell, I remember when the Xbox 360 Connect was a thing. Remember the Xbox Connect and how shitty that was? <laughs> like Xbox tried it, realized it was shit – and then just dumped it and moved on. Like it wasn't it wasn't working for motion controls. And that's I think that was a really important moment. When the Xbox Kinect came out and failed, I think that's when developers of the console, you know, the engineers, the software engineers, those guys working on the hardware and all that kind of stuff, realized they don't need to reinvent what they have. They need to just polish what they have so we can keep pushing out bigger and better games. And yeah, it's it's a good time to be alive. I want to talk indie games. You know, there are so many conventions focused on indie developers. Hell just in New York City, the Play NYC event that happens like 3 times a year. You know, there's the Playcrafting free events that happen around Halloween time and the you know, one that happened about a month ago. But then there's a paid one that's happening in Manhattan itself, not the Microsoft building, but in Manhattan itself. You pay to go there, and it's a whole – it's a two days. It's a whole weekend. Just a massive gaming convention, and there's so many developers that show up for it. It's a viable market. Like in the past, trying to make a game required being part of a big group and ha- or at least having – a lot of knowledge behind how computers work and having the skill at coding and all that nonsense. You needed that if you were to try to do anything. But nowadays, with support from engines like Unreal and Unity, and other engines that are are user-friendly at times and easy to access, a lot of people can crank games out. And I mean, I know the RPG Maker series has gotten some flack here and there for the kind of stuff that gets cranked out, but that's the thing. The fact that people are allowed to at least explore and try it. They can try developing a game. Like me, I'm still playing with RPG RPG Maker MV. I'm enjoying it. It's fun in the fact that I'm actually seeing, like, a game come together and I'm not very proficient in any sort of coding. There's C++, JavaScript, Java, whatever it is, whatever it is you want to say you use, or whatever the difference is between them. I don't know the difference that well. That's my point. Like, I'm not that good at it. So RPG Maker gives me a platform to kind of explore. So yeah, there's going to be plenty of games out there that are shit. That's what happens when you make the market more accessible to to creators. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing that we're having bad games come out here and there. It's totally fine. Because what it's doing is it's letting us decide. All right? It's no longer... I remember... You know, picking up the GameCube. You know, I had to get the GameCube. It was the new thing. I really wanted the GameCube. I, I had to have it. And then when I got it, oh, my God, I need Melee. I must have Melee. And then Luigi's Mansion. Oh, that's another Mario game. I need to have it. Oh, you know, the Legend of Zelda games. Oh, my God. Actually, I really didn't get the Legend of Zelda games. But Master Quest, you know, the Ocarina of Time remake from the N64 to GameCube. Like, I need Master Quest now. Like, Back then, it was more just buying the newest thing because it is the newest thing. But now it's, I'm buying more what appeals to me. We're not looking at just a genre, defi- like genre defining consoles or vice versa, consoles that are defined by the genre. My apologies. We're not looking at that. Nintendo was platformers. That was Nintendo because you mostly had Mario. And then it was also mostly adventure puzzle because you had Legend of Zelda. You know, Samus and Star Fox kind of died out for whatever reason. But even those two, still looking at platformer, adventure games. Anything that was getting released on the Xbox? You know, once Halo came around for the original Xbox, that was it. You bought an Xbox if you wanted a shooter game. There was no other reason to buy an Xbox other than a shooter game. Think about it. Back then. Not today, but back then. Because of Halo. And the PlayStation 4... But just PlayStation in general? I mean, they were around for a while. They were around back when the N sixty four was a thing. I'm gonna be honest. I can't peg like a single type of genre that defined it because they had. I think PlayStation was more of like if you want a metamorphosis type console, because so like you know PlayStation was big on platformers, and then PlayStation two came out, and you start. You still had some platforms like Jack and Dax or stuff like that, but they also you also had things. Started to see things like resistance, and other kind of like shooters. You know, Metal Gear Solid was just being Metal Gear Solid. Let's be honest; like that, that, that series is really weird. And then from there, PlayStation, PlayStation Four, you got you know Forza was kind of coming out. You know, they were on Xbox also, but there was more like there's a lot of racing games that PlayStation was kind of being dominated by. So they were kind of like a they were a hard one to peg down. But now you you're not bogged down by a specific genre on a console you know i still have my xbox 360 up and running and i still have xbox live 4 and i still have access to the marketplace but even on, like later editions like the xbox one you're able to get old, first off older games like castlevania stuff like that on the market and then because of the marketplace you have access to other things that aren't just main developers same thing with the nintendo switch yeah i was i was at target the other day because now I'll, I'll get to this in a minute But I need to buy a Switch now, and I'll tell you why in a minute. I need to buy a Switch now, but I was looking at actual, like, Switch games. Like, games that are sold specifically for the Switch. And again, the Switch has been out, holy shit, for a while. I forget that, but the Switch has been out for a while. And the library of games, the physical games you can pick up, is rather small. And that's if you include remade games for like Hyrule Warriors, you know, games that were done over for the Switch. It's a pretty small library because most of the attention is going to the online marketplace and most of the attention is going on to reviving old IPs to be remade and re-released on a future console. Hell, even Mega Man. You know, Mega Man 11 that came out, I don't know, a year or two ago? I was I, I picked it up just the other weekend. I'm enjoying it. You know, I was never a Mega Man fan, but after playing Mega Man 11, I kind of want to go by, because I know Capcom released 1 through 10, like, as a collector's edition, I just kind of want to go back and pick the, pick the collector's edition up, because I was enjoying Mega Man 11, because I always enjoyed platformers, I was a Spyro fan, I was a Mario fan, I was a Crash Bandicoot fan, I kind of want to pick up all these old Mega Man games, and I mean, also, like, Shovel Knight, like, I love Shovel Knight, and Shovel Knight has some Mega Man-style things going on there. This is what I mean by this golden age. We're going back in time a little bit, looking at games that people love, like that put gaming on the map. Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Mario, Metroid, Link. I mean, I can't talk about Xbox until a couple of years later, but games that put gaming on the map, on home console, that made it accessible to many people. It was no longer going to the arcade and sinking corners on hard games. As much as I still enjoy those style games, I'm really happy that we had a moment to explore more at home. And now with the internet and being very stable and understanding how it works in terms of game design and game development, we're exploring even more. We're bringing back these old games because they are, in terms of like memories of that, very small and very compact. So we're able to post them online and get into them. And... Kids that are, you know, young kids nowadays are still able to explore their own style of gaming, you know, with Fortnite, PUBG, CSGO, which is still a thing. I don't know how big of a thing, but still a thing. You know, they can still explore kind of what's defining their youth, but they can also look at what defined gaming in the past and explore. And it's pretty cool. You know, I I really like that. And even with these indie games, if they get into these indie games, they get to kind of see what it used to be like with a new coat of paint, Okay. And now back to this whole Switch thing, you know, to, to wrap up what I was talking about. reason why I need to buy a Switch, okay? I mentioned Crypt of the Dancer. Love it. Love that game. Well, Cadence of Hyrule is going to be a thing this month, apparently, where Nintendo grew some balls. Well, maybe not ball, they are brain. But they finally decided to trust someone other than themselves and turned over the Link IP to the guys that made Crypt of the Dancer to make Cadence of Hyrule, which is a Legend of Zelda game set in the Crypt of the Necrodancer universe with those mechanics. So you can play Cadence from Crypt of the Necrodancer, but they also have Link and Zelda you can play too. And it's, it's Crypt of the Necrodancer in Hyrule. It's really awesome. We're seeing something new with the IP. I also want to pick up CTR since It's on the Switch and it's not coming on PC yet. I'm like, fuck it. I really want to play that game because I really, really enjoyed CTR but I never really had a chance to play it with other people because I our original place is in the big bulky one, the dog peed on, so it broke, so we had to get a new one, but they were only releasing the mini ones that only had two ports, and then we could never find like the adap- uh, working adapter to work over to plug in four controllers, yada, yada, yada. So I never really got to enjoy it with other f- with friends, so now I can play it online. Yes! Gonna love it. And then the third one, S- Super Mario Maker 2. All right, I mentioned Legend of Zelda and Nintendo kind of... Gaining some confidence in these indie developers. Like, they brought Shovel Knight into the new Smash Bros. You know, Yacht Games had such an amazing IP that Nintendo brought in for the Smash games. Now they're returning the favor and turning over a link to an indie developer to make a game. Okay. And then Super Mario Maker, it's like them doing that again, but for the fans. And honestly, I had no interest in Super Mario Odyssey. Okay. Yeah, I understand the widely exploratory worlds that were large and Mario's movement being so freeform and feeling great. Okay, I understand all that. I just, it never caught my attention because I remember playing the original Super Mario Bros., the first one. And I loved going to the end. I loved running from from point A to point B to get to the end. And I always heard, in hell, when I picked up a Super Nintendo, I got Super Mario World 2 or 3. One of the others. Probably three. You know, I picked that up because I enjoyed those Mario games. So honestly, since it wasn't never like, reach the goal kind of thing, didn't really interest me as much. But was Super Mario Maker 2, they were kind of like, fuck it. Go back to it. I, I remember I saw a joke online where uh, it had the box art for Super Mario Maker 2, but it, instead of the title Super Mario Maker 2, it was edited and said, all right, fine, fuck you. You do it yourself. Because of how popular it is and how people love that game, that Nintendo I feel Nintendo's reached a point where they're like, you know what? We're not going to bother trying to make another Super Mario game. Because Super Mario World 3D or whatever the fuck it the last one they tried doing where they had like the cat suit and all that shit. Too gimmicky for me. You know, especially with the cat suit you're able to like break the entire game. It was just too gimmicky. You know, Super Mario World 3 was amazing. It had you had the cape, you had Yoshi you had the you had the Tanuki suit like you had a few little powers but nothing that was ridiculous and the levels were just fun and challenging. They're just going back to that but instead of them trying to do it themselves since they've shown that they can make a Mario builder, you know, a Mario maker, they'll just do that again and I want to pick it up because I'm craving some old school Mario on a new console. Yes, I like retro gaming. Okay. Look at that. I picked up a Super Nintendo. I enjoy retro gaming. I think what I enjoy more is retro gaming with a new coat of paint, which is what we're seeing. Like, Enter the Gungan. I'm loving that game for so many reasons. Like, it feels like an old school game, but it definitely isn't because it's, it became popular because Binding of Isaac opened up the floodgates for that style of like roguelike games. But still, there's just something about it that. You know it's challenging, the artwork and everything with it. It just, it it, it feels like an older game. Like I, when I play into the Gungan, I remember it feels like playing a Mar game. It feels like playing a Battle Toads game. I'm going through a level, looking to get to the boss and fight a challenging boss, and then move on to the next level. These procedurally generated roguelike games that are as hard as fuck. Yeah, you can do a run in about an hour. And when you think about it, things like Rocket Knight Adventure, things like Battletoads, things like a majority of the games back on the Sega Genesis, back on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo, back on those arcade games, Ghouls and Goblins, for example, you could beat that game in an hour. But it was hard. And that's why it took you longer to play. That's why you kind of got your money's worth sinking those quarters in. So, you know, I play games like Enter the Gunga and I feel that. I'm like, this is awesome. One, it's just a fun game in general, but two is the fact that I'm able to pick it up and try and do a run. Like like I said, Rocket Knight, I'll still go back and play every now and then. So now that developers are seeing that, you know, big-name developers are seeing that and letting in more games of that style, letting in people that are willing to take the risk on making a game like that. Because a lot of times the big publishers want to make a game that they know will sell. You know, Call of Duty, for example. The Halo franchise, for example. Things that we know will sell. They played safe. But now that people, you know, going back to what I mentioned about Unity, Unreal, even RPG Maker, now that every Joe Blow has the ability to make a game because there is software accessible to them, big-name developers can take a step back, make games that they know will sell, but then also allow smaller companies to release on their platforms that are willing to take those risks. Things like Swim Sandy has become very popular. The game's yet to be released, but it's become very popular because it's an underwater brawler. It's it has shooting. It's a brawler style game, but it's underwater. And honestly, we all know how that we all know that feeling. A lot of times, underwater games are just ugh. I mean, Echo the Dolphin, pretty cool game. Obnoxious sometimes trying to control with those underwater controls. A lot of times, underwater underwater levels in general are a pain in the fucking ass. So yeah, let's let let an indie developer take the risk on making it. Turns out they're doing very well, and you know what? Because these companies are seeing that, they're opening up, they're going on the Switch, they're on Xbox, they're on PlayStation, they're on PC. Now those consoles rake in the cash because they're releasing the game on their platforms, and Games itself is going to rake in the cash because it's their game. With this, you go to these gaming conventions, and my God, the amount of things you can see there, the amount of ideas. And I mean, yeah, they're not all good. That, that's going to happen. They're not all good. But there's still an opportunity to see all of this and not worry about some bigwig coming down with the gavel and saying, no, you're not allowed to do that. We we're able to get these indie games for 20 maybe $30. bucks. That is a small team that says, we just want to do this. We have a vision. We're doing this. Boom. That's that. It's amazing. And since we can see it on so many consoles now, and we're getting, we're getting these remasters and these remakes in forms of Mega Man. Hell, I know Metroid recently, within a couple of years, you know, there was some sort of, like, well, I, I can't remember the name of it. But there was some sort of, like, Metroid revival because there was a fan-made version of it. Nintendo shut that down and said, holy shit, that's actually a good idea. Sonic Mania. You know, Sonic Mania was a big thing about two years ago that we had. My god, it feels... So good to be a gamer right now, and honestly, the public view is changing. Back then, it was video games are violent and are responsible for the Columbine shootings, but nowadays, it's how can we use video games to teach children? You know, Minecraft Education Edition. Heck, I'm part of this. I mean, I'm never really on it, but I just someone talked about it and I just joined it randomly. There is a Discord channel I'm part of, Esports for Gaming. Or esports for education, sorry. Esports for education. And in there, there's educators and other people that are talking about, like, what are they doing in the classroom with things like VR and going to actual competitions, like actual esports competitions between schools. This is a norm now. Like This is becoming a thing that people just do. And it's welcomed. It's no longer, like, I remember middle school, you know, Halo was a big thing, and we had a thing called the 8th grade sleepover. It was – for all the 8th graders, they were invited back to the school for one night to stay throughout the entire night. I mean, that might sound boring, but it was really cool because they just – they opened up the entire school. We were allowed to wander aimlessly. They had the gym open. They had, like, all the sports equipment open and all this stuff just for the kids to, like, just hang out with their friends because a lot of times, like, friends live far away and it's hard to hang out. So it gave you, like, one night just hang out with all your school friends and just chill and have a bunch of pizza and stuff like that. And that was around the time that, you know, Halo 2 was about to come out. You know, Halo 2 was kind of a thing. And we called the principal over once during lunch. And we're like, yo, Mr. Pritchard, could we – because, you know, we had an Xbox and everything at home. Me and my friends were like, could we, could we bring uh, video games here? He's like, what games? We're like, Halo. He's like, what's Halo rated? Oh, it's, uh, it's rated M. He's like, you know, I'm going to think – but I'll get back to you on that. You know, we weren't sure if it was going to happen. We never heard from him. And then when we got to the Great sleeper, we learned that one of the janitors was actually a beta tester, and he had a, he had Halo Two, he had an Xbox, he had four controls. So we were in the auditorium playing Halo Two the entire night. It was amazing. But the way that conversation went between us and the principal was more hesitant, kind of like, "Okay, yeah, we're not we're not sure if we can do that." But now at my school, the last day of school, it was actually uh, this idea was brought from this other guy, this other teacher in the building. We're doing an entire you know, GameCon, and there's going to be competitions for Fortnite. I mean, we're going to have a Fortnite competition, which is a violent game. This mindset has changed. When before it was taboo, it was kind of like eh, unsure about like these violent games with schools and everything. Now it's like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Let's have a competition. Let's have some fun. Let's smack down. Like, you see what's happening? That it's more welcomed, and it's. I mean, I I've, I've done my best this year to teach game design, like to teach what games mean. To kids. And it's been tough. Don't get me wrong. It's been very hard, especially considering a lot of kids in the class aren't as interested in games. They're there for the credit. I do what I can. I'm doing what I can and they're doing what they can. So we meet in the middle in that way. You know, they're like, I'm just doing this so we can pass. I'm like, cool. I'll do what I can to help you. We meet in the middle. But still, the fact that that I'm allowed to do that's really cool. We're seeing it more as an art form and a tool for learning than just being this Weird culture in your mom's basement. It does bad things for our youth. Don't play games. It feels good. It it feels really good. And I'm really happy that at this time I'm old enough to understand. Just understand. Like, I'm old enough to appreciate and understand it. Like, understand games and understand the stories they are telling. You know, understand them enough to be confident in doing a podcast like this. You know, I know it's just me talking to a mic for half an hour at a time, but still, it feels good to have the chance to do that. And it just feels good to have the option to pick up any console I want and get access to a plethora of games and choose what I want to play. And yeah, you know, and just to see where it's going in the future. Like, I'm not worried about the next big console I'm worried about the next big game, which is really awesome. In the past it was just it was a race for who can make the next sh- new shiny console. Now it's who can make the next big game. It's more what games can we make and then from there what do we need to do with the consoles to allow them to do that. Like if we want to make a VR game, okay, cool. How do we get VR integrated? It's no longer building a console and then shaping a game around it. The games are driving it. The the the, the games are driving everything. The market, the consoles, the player base, the community are really taking control nowadays. So yeah, is this a gaming golden age in terms of at least video games? I think so. I I seriously think so. If if it isn't, we're certainly approaching it within the next year if it's not like 100% a golden age of gaming right now. But I think it is. I think it is. And you know what? If you're old enough to appreciate it, I mean, that could be any age. You could be five and appreciate it. It doesn't really matter to me. But if you're old enough to appreciate it, it's awesome. You know, and I I think you know what I'm talking about with this episode. Like, everything I've said, I think you understand it the way I do, too. So, thanks for listening. You know, it, it felt good to talk about all this. We are fastly approaching episode 50, and... I started thinking of a couple ideas of what what to do. I actually am thinking about, like, doing comment. Like, I know it's better as a YouTube Let's Play thing, but almost like doing commentary on just a really bad game and almost try and make it more like a story narrative. So, like, I, instead of, like, you watching the game and I'm just commenting on the game, it's more, I play just a bad game and I try to explain it as a storyteller what the hell's going on. I don't know. I think that'd be interesting to try and do. So that's one idea I have for episode 50 There's a couple others, but I'm not going to spoil anything. So, enjoy. It's uh, going to be a warm week. And if you're related to the school system at all, whether you're a student or a teacher, hallelujah, we're at the final stretch. And it feels so good. So enjoy. Summer breaks around the corner. It's going to be great. So until next time, everybody, enjoy, take care, be healthy, and whatever else you want me to say. Peace out.